Well, good morning, Radiant, and what a delight to be with you. Uh, We are spending this month getting refreshed after a year that is kind of, uh, in many ways, just seemed to suck the life out of us. And uh, we're leaning into the Lord and using this time just to uh, get refreshed in what's uh, taking place. Um, We tend to slip gears when times get tough and times get hard. We just kind of have this way, we get a little bit lost in it all. And when we are at that place where we're kind of used to comfort and what comfort is, and then when things get uncomfortable, uh, we kind of slip those gears and get lost in uh, what's taking place. So what we've been doing here this month is seeking to get refreshed. You may be saying, hey, where are we going for this year, man? Where are we going? Uh, I'll be telling you here in two weeks. Why two weeks, dude? Uh, Answer, so we stay in the present. Okay, so we just stay in the present of what's going on. Here's where we've come, where we're going, just so you are aware uh, with this series. So uh, we've already been refreshed in the gospel story, just kind of taking a look from the beginning to the end with the gospel story. And then uh, last Sunday, we took a look at being refreshed in the God at work story and just that God is at work and the need to remember that and have that before our eyes. I pray that you had done some of that this week for yourself in that. Today, we're going to be kind of going behind the ministry curtain, a little bit different day. I'll explain that here in just a minute, but who we are and what we do here and being refreshed in that. And then next Sunday, next Sunday, this is not in the original plan, but it just kind of worked out uh, in a conversation two weeks ago with Dave Harvey. Dave Harvey is the executive director of the Great Commission Collective. Uh, Dave is also an author. He's written the book, When Sinners Say I Do. And he just uh, came out here this last year with a book called I Still Do. And he's gonna be with us next Sunday. And I'm telling you, you want to be here. Dave's a special guy and just uh, I've come to really uh, so appreciate him. He's gonna be continuing in our series, and which I so appreciate. He's gonna be uh, talking out of preaching out of Psalm 63, refreshed from an empty soul, and uh, spending the time with us next week. You'll want to be here or be online uh, with that. And then uh, the following Sunday, we're going to be uh, refreshed in what's ahead and getting set up for what's ahead with the rest of the year. And I'll tell you more about that when we get there. Uh, we tend to slip some gears. But what happens when times get uncomfortable in the slipping of gears, one of the things that can take place is we just lose sight of who we are and what we do. In fact, I really think one of the blessings out of the unique times that we've had is that God has pressed into us as people, as, even as businesses, medical community, schools, homes, all over the place. God's just allowed this season to press into us to re-ask the question, hey, wait a second, What are we really about and what do we do? So uh, this is the Sunday out of this series where I am, as I've already mentioned, I'm wanting to pull you back behind the ministry curtain. And if you've really kind of wondered, what is it that causes you guys and what you think and how, what processing and who we are as a particular people, uh, this is the Sunday for you. And I think it's for all of us to be reminded here, even as a people, what we're seeking to be and to do here as a church. So essentially, join me behind the ministry curtain. And uh, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be putting a whole lot of data up on the screens. 
And uh, that data actually came out in the church email. If you got that, you can print that off on here. All these points are going to be in the 28 slides that we've got for today. Um, You can grab a hold of that. It should be even with the sermon uh, if you listen to this later. Um, So you can pull that up and use that. But join me behind the curtain for a little reminder time today of who we are and what we do. We want to be a particular sort of people. And I say that, uh, pulling that terminology off of a quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, He said, we might think that God wanted simple obedience to a set of rules, whereas God really wants people of a particular sort. I love that. I just even wish I could put like a British or Australian accent to that or something. Like people of a particular sort. I'm in on that. I want to be a particular sort of people. The question is, is what's the particular sort of people we want to be? And this is a good time in these days to reset that before our eyes. When you come in this building, in the lobby, on the curved wall there, there are what we call our four pillars. You look at them, you take a look at them, and I would term those as this. Those four pillars are commonly would be called our core values. I'm going to call them this, our foundational values. You look at them uh, here later. We have on the inside of our worship center in here uh, three W's on the wall. Uh, These three W's we actually posted up almost exactly three years ago from today. In January and February of 2018, we were coming upon our 10-year anniversary as a church in the beginning of March of 2018. And at that time, one of the things that was on my heart is, listen, man, I never in my life imagined God would have done this here amongst us. And one of the things that's easy to have happen is, is you lose sight of who you are. And so we spent six Sundays talking about worship and walk and work, two Sundays on each, each one Sunday on who we are and our thinking about that, and then the next Sunday on what we do, the application of that. Today is all six of those in one. Okay, I'll wait, I'll wait. Um, It's six in one, so uh, don't get lost in this. Just kind of take it in. Today's a a particular sort of Sunday, a bit out of the norm. Who are we here and what do we do? Join me behind the curtain and uh, let's do that. And God, I pray that you would just use this time to gather as a way to bring glory to you first and foremost. But God, also a way just to remind us, even as followers of Christ, in a world right now that is crazy and a bit mad about it and lost, God, we would remind ourselves of who you are and what we do. Use this time for your glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen. W number one, worship. We worship Christ. I'll term it this way. It is a doxology thing. It's a doxology thing. Doxa, it means to have a right opinion or to have an opinion. It means to think something about something, to doxa. Doxology breaks it out even more. It has this idea of to think rightly about our God, to think highly of God. Uh, Friends, here at this church, uh, Radiant Bible Church, let it be said Let it be known, let it be set in place before our eyes. There is the first and foremost thing 
And that is that we have and we continually pursue after the glory and the praise and the honor of our God. That's the thing. First and foremost thing. And that means that we are not here to make much of this building. We're not here to make much of me or you or, or a particular ministry passion or a particular ministry program. We're not here for some ministry hobby horse. We're not here for some political viewpoint. We're not here first and foremost about some Bible translation or some what I'll call pencil theology issue or to be back in the good old days or to be on the front edge cusp of what is cool and hip. I'm just gonna tell you behind the curtain that is not what is in our heads of what's going on. A.W. Tozer said the church exists to worship God first of all. He goes on to say everything else must come second or third or fourth or fifth. The local church exists to do corporately what each Christian believer should be doing individually and that is to worship God. Preach it, Tozer, preach it. N.T. Wright says, worship is the central characteristic of the heavenly life and that worship is focused on the God we know in and as Jesus Christ. We worship Christ. It is a vertical doxology, having the right opinion, a high opinion, a crazy, increasingly awesome opinion of who our Savior and Lord is. End of story first and foremost. Where does that come from, Doug? Uh, what's the thinking behind that? Let me give you four. Number one, we were created for worship. We were created for worship. We've talked about actually all of these in, in the gospel story from a few Sundays ago. Uh, Genesis 1, Psalm 139, uniquely created, uniquely placed, uniquely called to live lives for the glory of our God. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's always been about that. We were created for worship. We were destined for worship. The end, if you will, the eternal end of the story. The gospel story includes the fact that those redeemed in Christ, they will be with the Lord, worshiping him forever and ever and ever. And by the way, if in that thinking, you go, oh man, when is that worship service gonna end? Like it kind of sounds boring. I'm gonna tell you, that's why we have a wrong understanding of what worship is. Today, I don't have the time to go into all that. You can go back to the sermon uh, back three years ago and listen to it online. I do go into it more. But the fact of the matter is, is I'm telling you folks, what it is gonna be in like in eternity is not gonna be boring for one nanosecond. It is gonna be activity and awesomeness and woo-hoo every day, Okay? And we are surrounded by worship. Revelation 4 and 5 talks about the heavenly beings. And here's the important statement, because once you think Revelation, well, that's all in the future. No, that's as they are today. The heavenly beings around and out of the throne, serving the Godhead, loving the Godhead, worshiping the Godhead, giving their high opinion of the Godhead. Know this, right now, we are surrounded by worship of our God. And also, we are invited to worship. That's the cool thing. That's the whole gospel story. 
uh, created for worship, but then sin separated that direct worship with our God. And yet Jesus Christ came to die for, in our place to do for us what we could not do. And for those who received his work and drive the stake in the ground, uh, receiving that and his imputed right, his righteousness is imputed upon us in our place, not because we deserve it, but because God is crazy awesome, we are invited back to worship. Rory Nolan says, God delights in our worship. I love this. But the truth is, we are the ones who need worship. At its most basic level, worship is an exciting opportunity and a holy invitation to enjoy God. And it's out of those truths, what then, let's bring it pragmatic, let's be practical. What are some things here that make us a particular sort of people as to worship? Uh, Three, one, we seek to make much of scripture here. We seek to make much of this here. Making much of God's word makes much of God. Making much of God's word makes much of God. Uh, just so you know, you've probably noticed we're just not the kind of church that pops a Bible verse up on the screen and read it and then go off on some hobby horse conversation or go off on what happens to be the issue of the day. We're not a chicken soup for the soul church. Okay, why? Because we want more. Because we want to go deeper than that. That's just so surface. And it's so present that it lacks the reality of who God is and what God is doing. We want God's word big here, in this room, in your home, in our kids' ministry in student ministries, in small groups. We want to make much of God's word. Deuteronomy 6, we talked about that last week, God's word in our hearts, teaching it, teaching it to our children, uh, talking it, writing it, posting it. Boy, by the way, that has new meaning today versus back in Deuteronomy. Post it on your houses. Now, yeah, okay, just keep going, Doug. Psalm 119.24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. By the way, uh, I, I, just in this, when we are going through life issues, do we think of God's word as being our greatest and first and foremost counselor? It should be when life issues are taking place. Uh, because Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, uh, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the heart, discerning the thoughts. God's words can get it in ways that no one else can. Second Peter chapter 1, he gives us everything we need for life and godliness here. For life and godliness, not just godliness. And also, here's my BAM verse on this subject, Deuteronomy 32, 47. These are not empty words for you. They are your life. That preaches. And the question is, is, is that for real? And we want to make sure that we view this as our life. 
And just with that, making much of scripture, if I can, if, if for you, just particularly as we then head in here in a couple weeks in the next series, if, if you don't have the habit of bringing your Bible to church, I just want to say, I'd love to encourage you to consider doing that. There's just something about having your Bible open on your lap, in it, writing in it, working with it, eyes in it. It just preaches to you having it there. And plus, just functionally, we learn more with that. I'll just encourage you on that. We seek to make much of scripture. Uh, We seek to make much of song here. Uh, Making much of the word of God makes much of God. Making much of song to God makes much of God. First Chronicles 16, 9, sing to God, sing praises to him, tell of his wondrous works. Thank you for being a church that sings. I grew up in stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight church world. And it was kind of like everyone was looking down no expression, and I'm not trying to diss that. I'm just telling you, for me, I was like, there's got to be more than this. And I just want to thank you for being a church. I want to thank just the worship team and Nick and Jill for all the time they put in. I want for you to know here that even in the song work of things, we actually are a church with liturgy. Oftentimes we think of liturgy as just some kind of way it's done in, in, in more uh, formalized churches. There's a liturgy, there's a movement of how things go every Sunday with it. It's not just trying to move things around a little bit. The songs are there on purpose. The movement is on purpose. The whole what we do is on purpose. Uh, we don't seek to bring in people who are great performers here. Because if, if you're a performer, then God's not first. And we want people who can uh, play and can do it for the glory of God. And I'm so thankful for our team and all the work that goes in that and leading us to that. We make much of scripture. We make much of song. And third, we seek to make much of prayer. Making much of prayer to God makes much of God. Psalm 5, 1 through 3. Give ear to my words, O Lord. You hear my voice. Friend, the God of the universe will hear our voice if we speak to him. That's just fascinating. Ephesians 6 18, praying at all times in the spirit. You know, we have this way about us when we say something, particularly with prayer, it's like we seek to make uh, prayer a priority. And we can grow in all of these. There's no question about it. We've never achieved here. We're just, that's why the word seek is, is we want to be more of this. And, and yet it oftentimes happen, having been someone who's grown up in church all my life, we go into Pharisee mode of programming. You know, like what's the program for that? So we can check that off the list. You know, it's interesting. If, if God would have it programmed or God would have it quantified, he'd tell us. And now, as the programming of it, if God really had us to have it programmed out, God would have told us. Nothing's wrong with programs with that. I'm just saying that we got to be careful with that. And that God would have quantified the amount of it. Oh, he did. Did you pick that up in Ephesians 6.18? God's called us to be a people praying at all times. That's the mark. That's what's to be. By the way, right now, oh God, as I'm speaking, oh God, would the Spirit of God do a work? Oh God, as I'm listening, oh God, would the Spirit of God be doing a work in me right now? By the way, I'm thinking mostly about me right now, not the person next to me. And God, what could this have to do with shaping how I think about thinking about you and doing life with you? Man, that should just be how we do it here, at work, at home, at school, everywhere. That's the call. And we seek to make much of prayer, and we can do a better job of it. All of us can. Worship, 
Oh, I could spend all our time on that. I gotta go worship. It's a doxology thing. Let it be known. Let it be said. Let it be set. First and foremost, if there are a number of things we don't do well, this is not the thing we don't want to do well. Did that come out right? Okay. We want to do this well and growing in it. So if someone were here for the purpose of making much of self, we've got it wrong. If we are here first and foremost to amass intellectual Bible data, as good as that might be, if that's first and foremost, we've got it wrong. If we are here first and foremost to find BFFs or a spouse or hobby buddies, as good as that is, if that's first and foremost, we've got it wrong. If we are here first and foremost to gather some emotional experience every Sunday, we've got it wrong. If we are here thinking that never will I be disappointed or hurt here, you've got it wrong. If it's to get everyone behind your ministry passion thing, you've got it wrong. If we are here even first and foremost to see someone saved or someone brought back to Christ, know this, even that first and foremost is not the first and foremost thing. If first and foremost we are here out of religious duty, we're missing it. Worship Christ. It's a doxology thing. Pick up the pace. Walk with Christ. It's an abiding thing. It's important to understand that there is an order, and I'll finish with the order of it here, but it is out of a right view, it is out of a high view of our God that we, a person, a people, will walk with the Lord. Listen, we do what we love, and we will, we will put anything aside to be with those that we love. And when we have a high doxology, a high view of the fame of the name of Christ, and we have a high opinion of Christ, walking doesn't become a challenge. Walking just becomes natural. And it is out of worship that we walk. A three, who we are, truths with that. Walking with Christ has a beginning. We talked about that the other Sunday with the gospel story. Because of the curse of sin, we do not begin at walking with Christ. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, it is separation from God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and you were dead in your sins upon sins. There's a beginning. Thank the Lord for Ephesians 2.4, but God, rich in mercy provided his son. And the scriptures say that any who receive him to them, he will, in Ephesians 2, you will be seated with the Lord. Not to be in charge, but think about that. Seated with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's like on his lap, owned by him. Boo, yeah, I want to sit there. It's walking And it has a continuing with it. Walking with Christ has a continuing reality. That's John 15. Uh, By the way, Jesus, in that, he does not say to the person in Christ, if you obey me, then I will abide with you. I'm going to say that again because we get it backwards. Jesus did not say, if you obey me, then I will abide with you. 
Jesus in that text says, I am abiding with you. You abide with me. The reality is, is he's there if you know Christ. He's wanting the invitation for us to enter into the walking and continue into a walking with him. And by that way, that walking is not just hanging out together. It's an advancing. It's a maturing. We saw that in James. Also, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk with him, rooted in him, built up, strengthened, established, increasing in thankfulness. All of those terms in the original language are in a present active imperative form. They're like a you must, you must continue in it. It's not just continue to continue, but it's to continue to advance. We're to be maturing in Christ. The Lord is not so much about pampering us. The Lord is about perfecting us and maturing us. There's a continuing and there's an advancing so what do we, how do we take that and, and work that out here? Well, uh, three ways that come to mind. One, we seek to preach real. Two ideas behind that. We want the preaching here as well as the teaching and the discipling here to be real. It's like, I want to be real in front of you. But it also carries the idea of, I, we want us to be real with one another. Like, the more we cut the image game, the more we cut the fear of man game, the more we're gonna be able to advance together. Because Jesus was like, cut the game. Follow me, he said, and I will make you fishers of men. Just follow and be around me because I'm gonna be real with you guys. The Apostle Paul, 1 Thess 2.8 we loved you so much, we're delighted to share with you. This is one of the most amazing statements in all of Scripture. We're delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God. For those who say, it's only the gospel, it's only the gospel, it's only the gospel in doing ministry, in small groups, with children, whatever. No, Paul didn't do it that way, and I would argue Jesus didn't do it just the gospel either. Because Paul says, sums it up, uh, not only the gospel, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. When the gospel is packaged with real life people, I'm telling you friends, God can do a work. I've been around as a lay person in my lay decades and in vocational decades, I've, I've been around performance ministry. I've been around the, the, the times of person, lay person, ministry person, one thing in one setting, one thing in another setting. Oh God, I pray that's not the case here for me, for us. I just would ask that if, hope before the Lord that if we were to go out and have dinner and hang out, you would walk away and just kind of go, he's kind of the same guy up here as he is up there. And I would hope the same for you. You know, one of the things that's wigged me out in this whole role after 20 years of being in business and then stepping into this role, and one of the things that's wigged me out is People sometimes like get a weird about me. I'm just like, I'm a normal guy, everybody. And uh, uh, just God's gifted me and placed me here and gifted you and placed you here. Like, boom, together. Woohoo! Right? We preach real. We want to be real. Uh, secondly, we program light. I say this, that's not an anti-programs comment. Instead, it's just this. I come from ministry background where it's busy, 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 busy. 
Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and just about every night in between. And it's ministry, busy, busy, busy. And friends, one of the greatest enemies of abiding with Jesus is activity for Jesus. Just ask Martha. Just ask Martha. Martha, would you just please sit down and abide with me? Paul said he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was zealous. He was blameless when it comes to the law. I mean, the dude put it out. And yet the fact of the matter is, is Paul never knew the Lord. Isn't it interesting how at the time when Jesus says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and yet I will say, I never knew you. They argued back, yeah, but look at what we did. No, but you weren't with is the problem. And we can get programs to consume us too much. We seek to program light. We seek to press together. Walking with Christ is a team sport. If, if you think that life in Christ is you and the Lord alone doing your gig, I just want for you to know that is not the way Scripture talks about it. Philippians chapter one talks about Paul, uses the illustration essentially of Romans and how their, uh, the army is arm in arm together. He uses the terminology that they would use, arm in arm together. So if one goes down, they all go down. And if one's up, they're all up. We need each other. How will they know you are my disciples? Answer, by how you love one another. We need to press together and be that kind of a people. So in looking at the gearbox of who we are and what we do, reminding ourselves in a kind of mad about it world and gone astray world right now, gear number one is worship Christ, gear number two is walk with Christ, gear number three is work for Christ. Work for Christ, it's an overflowing thing. It's a doxology thing that goes into an abiding thing. And out of the abiding thing and the doxology thing overflows the desire to want to work for Christ. Oh boy, here he goes. He's going to guilt us to do more. No, not going to do that. Instead, let's just, let me just give you a few thoughts on how we think. One, the Lord is at work. The Lord works. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created. There's activity there. There's creation that's taking place there. Genesis 2-2, and on the seventh day, God finished his work and rested from all his work. No, he didn't have a time clock. But God was active. God was doing and creating and out of who he is. Psalm 77-11, we talked last Sunday, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Hey friends, our God is at work. And we were created to work. Man, that makes sense. A working God creates and calls those who are said to be image bearers of him. God says, you work. Go over, have dominion over. Get to work at it. We are image bearers. And God said all of that was very good. And then even after sin came into the picture and he sent him out of the garden, he said, go out and work the ground. It's, know this, work is not a consequence of sin. Is work 
impacted by the sin curse? Yeah, it is. But know this, our God works. And our God has created us to work. And along with that, our God has called us to work. Just a few passages, Proverbs 12, 11. Whoever works their land will have plenty of bread, but the one who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of a sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Ecclesiastes 3.22, so I saw that there is nothing better than a man that a woman should work, should rejoice in his work, for this is his lot. Matthew 22, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? Love your God, love your neighbor. By the way, love is a verb, not a feeling. It is an action. Work is something that we do and put effort into. Just ask Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We're called to work. Fourth, Jesus worked. Matthew 6, 3, the town is gathered there and they go, isn't that Jesus the carpenter? Hey, he worked. And also he did ministry work. Inviting people, equipping people, sending people. Oh yeah, and the work of the cross and the empty tomb. Friends, work is not a bad four-letter word. Work is a biblical truth. So what do we do out of that? Well, we seek to raise disciples of Jesus. We seek to raise, we hear our heart as we want to Lean into those who know Christ, who have come to Christ, and advance you along in knowing your God increasingly so, so that you will walk with your God increasingly so, so that you will then work for your God increasingly so. That is a passion of ours. Go and make disciples, Matthew 28. Secondly, we seek to plant and strengthen churches. We began as a church plant, just a small group of us, and by God's grace, we wanted to be able to be a place that plants churches, and and by God's grace, we've been able to be front and center and planting a church in Haiti and planting a church in St. Vincent Island, and, and now here, Lord willing, in 2021, planting a church in Scotland, just south of Glasgow on the West Coast. That's international. But we want to be a church that plants church. I'm just going to leave it there at this point. That's just in our heart. Uh, Lord willing, more on that to come. Third and last, we seek to send you. We want to be a people who push ministry out, not pull it into us. We want to push ministry out to disciples in Christ who are going and doing in their communities, in their homes, in their schools, in their works, in their governing communities. We want to do that. We want to gather and equip, yes, but we want to send as well. That's in our heart. So let me wrap it up. If you wanted to know who we are and what we do, there you go. That's the heartbeat. It doesn't mean we've accomplished all that or that we've achieved that. Oh my goodness, not at all. But that's our passion and kind of why. Let me leave you with this thought. 
we tend to get it backwards. The words on these walls are in a particular order. Let me tell you the order that we generally think as people. We generally or often will think, if I work for the Lord, that equates to walking with the Lord. And when I work for the Lord, that equates to walking with the Lord, and then God is pleased. In Greek, it would be eo. Okay? But that is so pharisaical. And the reality is, is that is so works-oriented, and that is so me and you. If I work for the Lord, that means I am walking with the Lord. And if I am working for the Lord, which means I'm walking for the Lord, that means I'm giving glory to the Lord, and then the Lord will love me back. Instead, when we have a high view of our God, everything else flows out of that. When we have a right opinion of our awesome God, and great is he, and he is cooler and more awesome than anything else, as we draw into that and lean into that and see who he is, it is out of that that the whole idea of walking with God becomes, what else would I want to do? I want to be with the Lord. I want to be in his word. I want to hear who he is. I want to just abide. Oh, Doug, just sit down and abide with me. I will do that when I'm like, there is nothing more important than this right now. It is out of a right doxology that I will abide. And as I abide in the Lord, out of a right doxology, as a high view of the Lord, the whole idea of working for the Lord becomes a, well, why wouldn't I want to? My goodness sakes, look what God's been doing in my life and in my thinking. And now out of that, how can I serve the Lord? Because, wow, I get to serve the Lord? in my home, and at my school, and at my work, and in my community, boom, I'm in on that because my God is awesome. And that's why we have these ordered here. We want worship to be first and foremost in this room in your eyes. And then as you walk out, it is out of worship that we lean into walking and serving the Lord. That's a heartbeat. God help us. Amen? So Lord, we do. We pray, would you help us in this? Would you grow us? Might you work in our lives that we would see you bigger, see you grander? God, might we stay, start there. It is oftentimes, Lord, we look and we go, our walk isn't what it should be. And so we begin kind of organizing and structuring and putting out to-do lists and laying it out in an Excel spreadsheet. And frankly, we can just get all pharisaical about it and make the to-do list. And God, that's just the nature of who we are. And yet in that, God, I would pray that we would learn to delight in you increasingly so, see you increasingly so. And God, that does. That, that means spending time in your word, not to gather 
Bible data, but for the reason and for the purpose of being able to see you more and be awed by you. God, I pray that's what happens in this room. Through the preaching, through the song, through the being and pressing together, through our being real and loving each other. God, we're broken people and we need your help. Would you draw us to you increasingly so? Show us more of who you are. And God, it is out of that, the overflowing work of serving you just becomes a natural and a delightful reality. Thank you for the work of the cross, for the work of the empty tomb, for the work of the gospel story. And we sing our praise to you. Hear it, savor it, and may we glory in it. In your name we pray, amen.